Okay, will you say your full name? Yes, I am Evie Gway. Evie Gway. All right, here we go. Hey there, Evie. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Gaylene? I am great. And, uh, oh, I hate that. Let's start again. Okay. That's okay. Now I'm like going, I guess, hey, Evie, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, Gaylene? I'm good. I'm ready to talk about the Colorado River and Headwaters journey. Yes, me too. It's one of my favorite topics. <laughs> Especially since you work there. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about the Headwaters journey. It's located in Winter Park, but how did it come to be and what is it? Yes. So the Headwaters River journey is a part of our greater uh, nonprofit which is the Headwaters Ecology and Community Center, which also includes the Headwaters Center where we are located. Uh, the Headwaters Ecology and Community Center nonprofit was actually started by the Sprout Foundation, which is not related to Sprouts Farmer's Market. Um, <laughs> it is an education nonprofit that was started by uh, Bob and Suzanne Fanch. And they also own Devil's Thumb Ranch in Tabernash. So one of the Fanches, um, hold on, give me a second. Okay, uh, the, <laughs> the Fanches are really passionate about environmental conservation. And one of those passions is also involving water and water conservation. So they put together this really awesome interactive museum that is the Headwaters River Journey. And it is a museum that focuses mainly on the Fraser River and how it flows, where it goes, and how it's used. So, and the Fanches are like Devil Sum is all sustainable. Is your building sustainable? Yes, it is. So, um, the land that we are on was actually donated by the town of Winter Park. And then our building itself primarily uses solar energy to run the building. So we have solar panels on our roofs and then also on our amphitheater roof. Um, and then we have a lot of different, uh, we have a lot of different measures in place our, in our building to help conserve energy and water and such. So a lot of our lights are on timers and on motion sensors. So if we're not necessarily having that big of a crowd coming through or if it's not that busy of a day, we can have our lights a little lower so it's not using as much energy. That is, it's awesome. So I have to say when I was there last and I had to use the restroom and it, there's those questions that they have all throughout the building or through the museum. And it said, should you use paper towel or hand dryer? And then it said, no, just use your pants. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's our, yes, our bathrooms can either be a really exciting part of the museum or a bit of a creepy part of the museum uh, because we have people talking throughout our restrooms, uh, talking about conservation tips and different uh, topics that include water and so as great as the tips are some people get a little bit startled when you start hearing a voice coming from the speakers while you're trying to use the restroom <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it's very educational I have to say absolutely 
So tell me what it's like going through the museum. Like, what is one going to experience? Yeah, so um, like I said, we focus on the Fraser River. And the Fraser River starts at the top of Bertha Pass. So you get to start at the top of Bertha Pass in our museum. Our first room, I like to call it our Four Seasons room. It kind of gives you an experience of what all four seasons are like at the top of the pass. So we have, you know, wind blowing and um, our air conditioning going. So you can kind of get an idea of what it's like to be in a blizzard or an intense snowstorm. You also can see how the um, snow melts and thaws and all that stuff and different ways that water goes from uh, the snowpack into our rivers. And the color and the Fraser River ends up with the Colorado rivers just outside of Granby. Yes. Yes. So, so it connects to the uh, Colorado River right below Windy Gap. Okay. And the Colorado River is responsible for basically 40 million. Yes. It's 40 million people. Uh, the Colorado runs through seven states and provides, or I should say provides water for seven states and two countries, including the United States, but also Mexico. So a lot of people depend on its water. But not just people, wildlife, fish also depend on the Colorado River. Yes. The Colorado River supports all different types of ecosystems. So especially in Fraser, like our animals that depend on it are moose and birds and bears and we also have four different types of trout in our rivers so um there's a lot that is dependent on um, that water yes and there's been a lot of topics around the colorado river it's i have a journalist in that is from the east coast in tennessee and we were having dinner last night and she said it's so hard to believe that part of the United States is in such a severe drought and we're getting too much water. And I said, I know, I wish we could ship some of that over our way. Um, so that talks about when people are here, how can we tell them how important it is to conserve water? Yeah, so um, our museum focuses a lot on ways that the everyday person can conserve water. Um, one of those ways is using or making sure you're doing full loads of um, washing for your dishwasher, your laundry machine. Uh, also, not to have your water running when you're brushing your teeth. One of the big things that people do, and I will say I'm included in that every now and then too, is washing your dishes before you put them into your dishwasher because you think that you want to make sure all the food particles are off before you put them in the dishwasher. Well, that actually is counterproductive to how dishwasher detergent works and it needs the food particles to actually um, do its job. So we don't want to be wasting water, just having the faucet going, but also running all those dishes through again for it to just kind of sanitize them instead of really washing them. Okay. I just learned something. <laughs> I do tend to rinse my dishes. So that's a really good tip. Yeah. You know, everyone does it and no one can be absolutely perfect when it comes to water conservation. It's just all about trying to reduce your impact um, as much as you can. So 
a lot of people um, don't necessarily have native landscapes for their lawns and uh, landscaping around their houses. So we are big advocates of making sure you're watering your lawn uh, correctly, doing it in the morning or in the evening when it's not very hot and only doing it uh, about two times a day. And if even possible, replacing some of the non-native grass with drought tolerant native grasses and native um, plants. Uh, a lot of people, when they hear of replacing their uh, landscape to something more drought tolerant. They think about rocks, cactuses, things that necessarily aren't what they picture as the ideal lawn, yard, um, however you want to put it. But there's a lot of different grasses that are just as gorgeous that are actually meant to be in our area and don't require a lot of extra water. And the birds. They depend on that. Yeah. I love when it's raining and I see all the robins out there trying to get their worms. <laughs> yes. So, and you said something too, I think about the native grasses that I was just told a lot of our flower seeds have flowers that are not native to Colorado and how bad that is as well. So you really do have to educate yourself on what grows in Colorado. It can definitely be difficult because, you know, a lot of people will go out and get like Rocky Mountain native flower mixes, but uh, those don't necessarily have the correct um, seeds in them. And like you said, they could be bringing in uh, outside or non-native uh, flowers and such. One of uh, my recommendations is the CSU uh, extension program throughout the state. Most areas have their own extension office of great resources on what flowers and grasses are native to your area and where you can get the proper seeds um, for your area. So you're not necessarily, you don't have to worry about bringing in those uh, non-native species. Yes. Yeah. Great tip. Well, tell me how people can find out about Headwaters Journey and the cost for admin or for admin. What is the term? Admission, like, yeah. Admission, and let me know what the cost is for admission. <laughs> Absolutely. So our admission is free for kids and students. So anyone in 18 or under or who has, or who has a valid student ID, um, that is provided, all that admissions cost is provided by grants from Colorado Headwaters Land Trust and our Trout Unlimited chapter. Adults are $10 and then seniors are $8. However, the first Friday or first Saturday of every month is family day. So each adult admission is only $5. Such a great deal. It's a wonderful facility and it's worth every penny. I would highly Thank you. Yeah. It. Yes. I, I, I always I, like to say that it's a hidden gem of Graham County. Yes, um, because if people are familiar with the Denver Museum of Nature and Science, they have an exhibit called Expedition Health. And I like to compare our museum and our exhibit with their Expedition Health because it's very hands on and um, interactive. Yes. Well, Abby, thank you so much. I I learned some things today. I love that. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. <laughs> And that's, I hope that's our goal is to educate people. <laughs> it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing yes. goal, but it's a good goal. And, and I love that 
children are free because this is we need to we need to educate that youth. Absolutely. They have so much power to change things. So that's that's why we're aiming to get our message across. Well, thank you so much. And you have a wonderful day. Thank you, too.